Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And how are you doing today, Corey? TGIF, I didn't feel like I was going to make it. <laughs> I am with you. I'm one week away from spring break, so I was uh, oh, dang. in, like, this week I felt it. Um, and grades are due and stuff, so, like, this was a hectic week. A lot of people turning in late assignments and things like that. Because, oh. you know, getting stuff, like, people are like, oh, no, now the grades are real, so. Um, but, hey, listeners, if you're new to Burke Reviews Movie Club, uh, Corey and I started this podcast two years ago. In an effort to reduce our gap list. We own a bunch of movies, and there's a bunch of movies that we've always wanted to watch, but we just weren't getting to them. And this podcast makes us confront that and uh, watch movies that maybe even weren't on our radar sometimes. But um, we finally have to sit and watch them so we can do this podcast. And we've been doing this now for a while. We've watched over 100 movies doing this podcast, and it's a lot of fun because of that. I feel so accomplished every time you say how many. Like, the two years is a big deal, but, you know... When you put it to the actual number, yeah, it feels a little a little more real. Um, yes. So, uh, this week, um, and in fact, I should mention the month. It's March, and we are in the middle of our uh, Best Actor Goes to Jeff Bridges month, and we are watching Jeff Bridges films that we have not seen, or at least one of us have not seen. Uh, in this particular episode, we're going to be reviewing uh, Bad Times at the El Royale from 2018, which is actually a film I had seen. But Corey missed, and so this was her opportunity to catch up on the most recent Jeff Bridges film. And uh, before we get to that, we like to kind of catch up, see what's been going on, and also look at what else we've been watching. So, Corey, I mentioned I already asked how you're doing, and you said TGIF. So, how bad was your week? Do you ever just have like those like your days go by fast, but it feels like the week altogether is going by really slow? Yeah. Yeah, I'd you're say like, so. I'm like, oh my god, it's already five, but then I'm like, oh, but it's only Tuesday. I don't know. Um, it's been fine. I have survived more than a week working at home, so that's good. Yes. I left my house today for the first time in five days. Holy cow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Bill and I go on walks every day, so it's not like I'm legit just staying in my oh, house. Okay. But okay. I like, yeah, we. It's been so nice. It's been in like the 40s and 50s, and Ooh. sun is out and you know like you know bright blue sky it's so funny because where we live we can still see the mountains and the mountains are still covered in snow and they're so beautiful but it's like bright sunshiny down where you know we live but yeah it's i'm i'm fine how are you i am uh like i said doing pretty well um this week has been a, a fun one in some ways but stressful in others um i did have my uh my film two class just submitted their final project for the quarter um and they were tasked with creating characters and then writing a monologue for that character um so like they had to really craft the character and try to develop it it's the it's the most i've asked of any of my classes as other than maybe a couple years ago i had them write a feature-length screenplay um which i i later found out that most college screenplay writing classes only require 45 pages and i was requiring 90 so i realized i maybe pushed them a little too hard but um this was the most I've pushed them as far as crafting a specific character and really like trying to give them a backstory and then with acting as well because I wanted them to become the character and for the most part I was very happy with the projects there was um, a couple of groups checked out with the acting like they were having a hard time memorizing the monologue um, but Me. for them yeah and I don't I don't blame them but I also know that they didn't put as much time as I was hoping they would put into it um, 
not that you know i i understand they have other classes and all that but they are my third year film students which means they've invested three quarters of their high school life with me so i kind of anticipate a little more like desire to be there sometimes and still sometimes life finds you know life gets in the way or whatever but um but my other classes like uh my visual tech classes which is my entry level course uh my daughter is in uh, one of the two sections of the class that I have, and they're working on, um, they're going to be doing uh, mini documentaries, like something under four minutes. Um, the topics that they were narrowed down to are like passions, things people are passionate about, and then they had to pick an approach, like how are they going to come at that topic. Um, and they, the classes seem pretty excited, so I'm looking forward to see what they what they come up with. Um, and in the meantime, we've watched a few documentaries, and we've watched a few short documentaries that have got them kind of all inspired about the power of docs. Uh, something that I used to not be a big fan of before I started book reviews, and I have very much turned around on documentaries. They're now something I actually often seek out and look forward to watching. And uh, my film one classes, um, they're they're they've been studying genre, and they're we're doing musicals this month, or well this quarter, and um, their project is to adapt a musical number from a famous film. And I have I narrowed it down to like twenty two different scenes they could choose from. Um, and I have seven groups total between two classes. So seven of the 22 are getting remade. And uh, I have some that I'm really looking forward to. I pulled a scene that's not actually from a musical, but it's a, a musical number that I really loved, which was Shanning Tatum in the sailor suit from Hail Caesar. Yes, and I, I have it. There's a scene in that. If you remember the dance, he's like sitting on a table and he's like tap dancing. And I have a student who is, they've committed to the scene uh, they're by adapting it they have to change it to make sense to our setting because we're in a school um, so like they're changing it so they're not gonna be sailors at a bar they're gonna be students uh, rehearsing for a play because if you remember that scene in the movie is revealed to be a part of a movie because that's what Hail Caesar is all about it's about the film industry so they're um, they're gonna be like filming a play but they've been rehearsing the dancing and I am so impressed like they've got the tap dancing thing like that down um, and these aren't kids that are dancers. These are kids. Uh, one of them is a perfectionist, and he is everything he does. Uh, in fact, I've shown case. I've showcased some of his artwork on my Instagram. Like he did uh, oh. the Xenomorph I posted not too long ago, um, and he did a Spider Man based on the Spider Man video game from PS4 back in October, November when the game came out. He did this awesome thing for me. Um, he is a very talented artist, a very talented student, and apparently. A, he could be an accomplished dancer if he wants to be because he's so far crushing it um i cannot wait to see how these videos turn out because i think this is the most excited i've had students for a project they're really looking forward to trying to change these musical numbers um the, the one that uh they just decided but i'm really excited about you know the song pure imagination from willy wonka yes so their theory of adapting it is um, the kid's gonna dress up as much as Willy Wonka as he's able to get, like, costume-wise, but instead of, like, walking kids into a room full of magical candy, he's gonna be giving a tour of the high school to middle school kids. Um, so that's the adaptation, like, like the school is the land of pure imagination. Um, so I'm very excited about how they're gonna pull this off, but, uh, yeah, that's been my week. Um, mainly fun, right? But it's a, it is a lot of work. There's a lot of planning that goes into this. Uh, I have I am sleep deprived, if nothing else, because I've been. Uh, I feel like you're stuff. already like sleep deprived. <laughs> you're and not now wrong. You drink a lot of coffee to get through that. I drink so much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, it's eight o'clock at night, and I really wanted a coffee, and I'm like, holy heck, man. Um, but yeah, even when you were talking about like the four minute documentaries, like I've never made anything like that, but 
I've worked on other school projects, so I can't even imagine how much work is going to go. Yeah. And I think that, like, even, because I've taken a lot of communication classes and English classes, and, you know, there are always, like, those end-of-the-semester projects where you have to go up and talk, and it's, like, five minutes. But there's so much talking to do in five minutes, and I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you didn't cut me off at all. I probably talked too long. In fact, I've been talking all day, so I kind of, (laughs) the more you talk, the happier I'll be, because I even... My daughter and I went to dinner. We had a really great but very long conversation. We were both talking for a while. And at some point, I am incapable of shutting up if uh, if I don't feel like I've like hit the point home enough. So I'll just keep going and going, um, case in point. But um, my Film 2 class, I just said they just finished a project. Usually there's a long gap between one project to the next. But I decided to give them like a micro project for next week before we go to spring break. And I showed them the scene from Royal Tenenbaums when Luke Wilson shaves his head and his face, um, where Wes Anderson utilizes jump cuts. And then I showed them the scene from the uh, beginning of Bad Times at El Royale, which has a long shot of a hotel room. The camera does not move, and it's Nick Offerman uh, first moving all the furniture to one side of the room, rolling up the carpet, pulling up the floorboards, burying something, putting the floorboards back, rolling back the carpet, putting everything back, but it's all done in jump cuts. So what would have been probably six, seven hours of work becomes, you know, two minutes, five minutes max of screen time. And um, so they were tasked with uh, picking a shot and then um, a task that we will see a change. Like one group is doing a person putting on makeup, leaving coming back and then removing all the makeup and then it'll be shortened so let's say it takes five minutes to film that it will be shortened to like a minute and a half two minutes with jump cuts to jump ahead through time um i have a group doing um uh, like the old school like he loves me he loves me not on a flower but it'll be like jump cutting so the flower will have a lot of petals and then all of a sudden it'll have almost no petals jumped ahead through time kind of thing um, and things like that. It's, it's mainly a, an exercise in editing, but also in storytelling. Like, how can you speed up a, a moment use, utilizing jump cut? Um, so that, that was something they're going to just... They have Tuesday to film, Thursday to edit, Friday to watch it um, in class. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they step up because the turnaround on this is, like, by far the fastest. Because they were given yesterday to plan. Uh, today they had a few minutes to just firm up the plan and set up our groups. And then Tuesday they'll film... Thursday they edit, Friday they uh, they will watch them and their the last project they just did, um, and critique ourselves. But and then we go on spring break for a week, so you know looking forward to that. And uh, I'm excited because this week will be the first time I am attending the Gasparilla Film Festival, uh, Gasparilla International Film Festival, which starts on Tuesday night. Um, and there's a lot of movies that I'm looking forward to checking out this weekend, but it goes from Tuesday to Sunday. Uh, and then I'm on spring break, so I, I will be again sleep deprived and gas deprived because I have to drive, you know, 45 minutes. Uh, my plan is to go Tuesday, Wednesday, because there's two movies playing Wednesday night that I really want to see, and then um, probably not again until Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but I'm planning on doing at least four days at this festival, and then I'm about a month out for Florida Film Festival in Orlando, and a week or two after that, I fly out to New York for Tribeca. So. Busy uh, two months coming up. Well, busy month and a half coming up for me with festivals. Um, I'm still a little bummed that I wasn't at South by this year, but Big Tuna got to go, and he has seen some amazing movies. He got to meet Jason Blum from Blumhouse. He met uh, Lance Bass from NSYNC because he's an executive producer on some documentary. 
Um, and I think he met somebody else, but I can't think of who it was. I'm pretty sure he met somebody else too, but um, he's had a blast. So congrats, Big Tuna, for uh, getting the opportunity to go to South by and working for your website, popaxiom.com, um, and crushing it, I would say, for a kid who's a freshman in college, technically speaking. He's a first year in college. He has more credits than a freshman. But yeah, the kid's rocking. So it's awesome to see, like, I, you know, he'll like share the pictures of his tickets and stuff, but when he's like meeting the people too, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that I think I really want to go to South by, I want to go to South by for way longer than we've been talking about movies. Cause I love music. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like I just need to make that happen. We, we burgerviews.com can make that happen, Corey, but you, you gotta save up, I guess for the hotel. Cause that's uh, that we can't cover, but um, getting into the festival is not an issue, I hope. Uh, it wasn't this year. I just wasn't able to go this year. I hope they don't punish me because I didn't come this year. But uh, we'll, well find I out. Do, I, well, hopefully they understand that, you know, I I don't know. But, yeah, I really, really, really want to go. Do well, uh, Next year, I would say start, start planning for that because it's about the same time every year. Um, and we could have you cover the music side. And if I can... If we, if we, you were going, we could maybe arrange where we have like a, a shared living situation, like maybe an Airbnb with two rooms or something, you know? Um, that way we split mm-hmm. the cost of that. Uh, we'd both have to pay for our own travel, but then we'd be at the festival. We could split up, of course. You hit up some music, I hit up the movies, and of course you could do both. That's the beauty of the South by uh, badges is if you, uh, you... Most of the badges that we would get would be whatever access you want to go to. It's just a matter of standing in line and waiting, you know, to get in kind of thing. But. Mm-hmm. And I just really want to live off of nothing but barbecue for a week. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you'd have to it. go <laughs> to two other places. There's a, a really great burger place called P. Terry's. That okay, is an awesome burgers. exclusive. And then um, I'm going to forget their name. I always have a hard time remembering. There is a taco place that mm. is uh, key for Austin, and they have some unique tacos. I don't know okay. why I keep forgetting their name. but. Um, so- tacos are my favorite food group oh like then your austin is the place to go for i sure. love tacos like for my birthday every year my family make we have like a big talk we have a taco dinner and i'm never gonna be mad about tacos yeah i i absolutely am a huge huge fan of tacos um in fact it is like impossible for me to not love tacos I, they are probably my favorite food um, I'm trying yeah, to find think... the name of it because it's driving me crazy that I keep forgetting what it's called. Um, I know I sent it to Sean, so I'm like scrolling back through all the text. Uh, since he, oh, Torchies, Torchies tacos. Torchies. I don't know why okay. I can't remember that because of the alliteration and everything. And more importantly, whenever I think about it during South by, they're constantly updating the bumpers in front of the movies. <clears throat> and the year I was there last year, they premiered uh, a Quiet Place at South by. <gasps> And so oh, Emily wow. Blunt and John Krasinski were there at South by. I didn't get to meet either of them, but there was a promo where Emily Blunt was being interviewed and she's like, and I went to Torchy's Tacos. And so whenever I say Torchy's Tacos, I hear Emily Blunt say it um, because she said it. I saw her say it a hundred times over the week of the festival because they oh, kept playing it in front of movies. So I kept hearing it. And like, so now when I think Torchy's Tacos, I hear her saying it, but it just won't stay in my head. Um, as the name, like I have to look at the name, and then when I see the name, I hear Emily Blunt go Torchy's Tacos. That is not a good Emily Blunt impression. <laughs> that was a but, great impression. But <laughs> you gotta stop doing that and just own it. 
So, Corey, yes. what have you been watching lately? <laughs> okay, um, so I'm still watching King of the Hill. I love that show. Ah, you know, it's a good show. I love it so much. Um, and also, like almost every episode, they have crazy like guest voice actors. They do. And the other day, I was like, "Oh my god, I know this voice! I know this voice!" And I can't say her last name. I feel like I'm always saying it wrong. Megan Mullally. I think that's right. Okay. I think that's so, how I would say it. It took me a minute to get in. I was like, oh my god! Um, it's that crazy librarian. Um, I know that that's not her most popular, whatever. That would be Will and Grace. But that's how I know her, guys. Um, I also have watched a few movies. <laughs> None of them okay. are new to me. But I had to watch I Know What You Did Last Summer last night. Why? Because, I don't know, I was feeling nostalgic. Oh, man, okay. <laughs> and and the funny thing is, I don't like any of the actors in that movie. Like, I'm yeah. not a fan of any of them. Freddie Prince Jr., who, I like him Ryan in... Ryan Philippe? Is Ryan Philippe's in it, yeah. Uh, yeah, Philippe. Jennifer Love Hewitt. And, and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yep, yep. It does have, and now I'm forgetting his name. Johnny he Galecki. Plays... Yes! And I was like, oh, man. Um, I... I like him. I watched Reincarnation, which is directed and I think written by um, the same person who did Juan the Grudge, and then he did okay. like the Americanized the Grudge. Oh. Um, and I watched The Grudge. Oh, I haven't seen The Grudge in years. I used to like I... it. There's Sarah Michelle Gellar again. Yeah, and she's fine in it, but she was never like an actress says like oh my god Sarah Michelle Gellar you know she's so great I'm gonna watch everything she's in not but, don't say the name but is this all because of a streaming service is that why you watch these four movies no I own the grudge okay I was a little pissed because I thought I owned the grudge too because I really wanted to watch that um and I don't and I was looking on that service that you know voodoo mm -hmm. and I just think that it's wrong that digital copies cost more than physical copies because i was like we'll just get all three and then i was like no nope. i don't know 22 <laughs> or 25 dollars um and reincarnation i own because it was part of the after dark horror fest oh okay yeah um and it's not like i wouldn't even say that anybody needs to watch that movie it's not it's very long and it's not that great um, I gave it another shot because I hadn't watched it in such a long time, but I would say The Grudge is leaps and bounds way better, and I know what you did last summer. I can't remember what I watched that on. I think on the service that I keep talking about canceling because they never have anything. Ah. Uh, well. Um, what have you been watching? I, well, the last time we recorded, I just finished Benny and June for the first time, which I just posted my review of the uh, the day we're recording this, which is Friday. Um, but since then, I watched uh, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Um, did you see it? I saw that in theaters. Really? I think. You didn't like it, huh? No. I liked it a lot. Um, it was long boring. You thought it was boring? Yeah. Oh, man, I did not find it boring at all. I thought Jack Black was so interesting, too, the way his character plays a factor in the movie. Um, I thought Joaquin Phoenix was great. I actually really like Jonah Hill's, like, kind of odd performance and seeing him with long hair was unnerving and yet very natural i kind of <laughs> think he should rock long hair i don't know what it was i really liked it um 
then I finally watched, and I've been meaning to do this for since we watched um, Leave No Trace. I watched mm-hmm. uh, Deborah Gra- Granick's first film, or at least I think it's maybe it's not her first film, but it's Jennifer Lawrence's first film, Winterbone. Winter's oh. Bone. Was um, that good? I've, so I it is very good. It's definitely, I I think it's Jennifer Lawrence's best performance, which is sad. Wasn't it's it her, her first? first? Yes, um, but it's why she keeps getting work, and that's a shame because, again, her, she's only good if she's cast correctly. She is often miscast, and she does not do a good job when she's miscast. However, she works perfectly here. Um, the movie, I thought it was supposed to be like similar to Leave No Trace. Uh, it might be in terms of it's not like a super loud movie. It's very personal. But it's definitely not Leave No Trace. It is way darker. It is a. It's not as dark as it could have been either. Cause like when I the, just the name and like the idea that it's like this isolated like mountain region, I was like, oh, it's gonna be crazy. Like yogurt Lanthimos. Is it Lanthimos. Set in Idaho? Is it I'm set kidding. Idaho? Oh, I don't know. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't remember. I feel like it's um, yeah. Ozark Woods. Do you know where that is? I don't know where that is. No. Oh, Ozark though is um. There's a show with Jason Bateman. I think it might be like Louisiana that area um i don't know for sure but it does deal with drugs a lot um uh, and not her like it's not like okay i guess uh i don't let me i want to i don't want to spoil anything so i'm looking to see what it's well it was just okay i was having okay she sets out to track down her father who put that their house up for bail um in order to get out of prison but then he vanished and so he's not if he doesn't show up to court the bondsman takes the house and she has a younger brother and sister and a mother who they don't say what's wrong with her but she's not all there and so she's like a 17 year old kid basically a mom herself not really but she's acting as a mother and a caretaker to her mother and now her house and everything she has which is almost nothing is about to be taken away because of her father so she goes on the hunt for him and keeps getting um kind of turned away by criminals who are his friends uh, they like they don't want him to have to go to jail kind of thing or whatever. So it's it's really good though. I actually I was it's pretty crazy too. And there's some there's some intense scenes. Like it is not leave no trace, um, but it's not not in a bad way. Like they're both good movies. They're just not thematically the same at all. Other than it's it, both uh, Deborah Granick takes a very young female actress and g- gets a hell of a performance out of both of them. Um, I then watched Bad Times at El Royale on, uh, I think, Sunday night is when I watched that. Maybe it was Monday night. Um, Yeah, I watched it early, but I'd already seen it, so I thought it was like a good night to do it. Um, I watched a documentary that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. In fact, I can't talk about it until April 8th. Um, But I got a screener. I I got an invite to like an L.A., New York press screening, and I'm not in L.A. or New York, so I asked, hey, could I have a screener for it? And um, I obviously got one. But I've, the embargo's April 8th, so I have a few weeks before I can actually speak about it. Um, but I think I might be getting to interview the director, too. So, that like, I don't know for sure. I can't say. But it was a really interesting documentary. I found it very moving. And that's it's actually what led to my long conversation with my daughter today. So I can't even say what that was without potentially revealing what documentary it was. So I'm just, I don't want to play it safe. I don't want to burn any bridges and, like, mess up my embargo thing. But I watched that on the 12th. Um, I didn't even post it on my letterbox because I can't. Um, I didn't post these on my letterbox either, but Wednesday night I was uh, working. I was just like grading. I had class and then I was I had to get groceries and then I just decided to grade the rest of the night. And so um, my wife had Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory on. Uh, it was on Freeform, I think. So I, we just had it on. Um, I love that movie so freaking much. Like every time I watch it, I'm just blown away by how great it is. And then when that ended, my wife started flicking channels and Forrest Gump was on. 
and uh, my daughter, who doesn't always sit in the living room with us, decided to watch Willy Wonka with us. And then when Forrest Gump came on, she's never seen Forrest Gump. Um, and so she ended up watching that. It was a TV edit, but it was like, I think it was on one of the channels that like show more of the movie because like the the Vietnam scene was still pretty brutal for like regular TV. So it was definitely like on one of the the other channels, but it did have commercials, so I don't know for sure. But she ended up watching like the whole thing, and I think she really liked it. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then Corey, yes. Last night, uh, I went and saw Five Feet Apart, the new melodrama about the kids with CF. Uh, stars Haley Lou Richardson, Cole Sprouse, um, and Moises Arias. Uh, holy cow. I know I'm kind of a sucker for like these teen romance sappy melodramas, but I love this movie a lot. And the more I sit with it, the more I'm like, God, what a good melodrama. Mainly because Haley Lou Richardson should be everybody's favorite actress. She is outstanding. I, I, I hope this movie makes her huge um, because she is so, 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 so good. Um, and I'm not a big fan of, of Cole Sprouse, but I don't know if it's her that brings the best of him or if it's the director of who is, um, I want to say the director's name, Justin Baldoni. Um, I don't know who deserves the credit, but I think it is by far Cole Sprouse's best performance. And man, I cried like six times in the movie. It does do, it goes a little big at a couple of moments for the melodrama. Um, I am invested because I had a former student who I've talked about a few times, Jerry, um, who has CF, who cystic fibrosis, and has had a lung transplant and is currently trying to get a second lung transplant in order to continue living. And so I went in with this movie a little apprehensive because he was concerned that how it represents CF could affect negatively people with CF might think, you know, oh, we'll risk the safety hazards because this movie basically tells us that we should. And I feel like when he sees it, he will think that he did a very good job um, I am under the impression that the movie is uh, like co-produced by a, one of the leading CF um, charities. Uh, I don't have the name, nor do I have anything to confirm that, but that's what I was told, and it sounds... I hope it's true, because I really do think the movie is well-executed, um, and I was super, super impressed with it. I went in kind of apprehensive, thinking it was going to just be too sappy, and I walked out wiping tears off my face um, and thinking, wow, there were a couple moments that I thought were too melodramatic, but I really love the movie overall. I especially love the characters. And lastly, my daughter and I tonight, in preparation for our top five list this week, which we're doing our top five Tim Burton movies, I realized I have three major gaps on my Tim Burton list that I want to try to uh, knock off before we record on Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. One of them was 1996's Mars Attacks. And I recently purchased it. Um, it was on sale for like five bucks on uh, Movies Anywhere. Well, through Movies Anywhere. I think it might have been Amazon that had it on sale, but it's, it goes to all your streaming services. And have you seen Mars Attacks, Corey? No. Man, we had a blast. That movie is... Did you? Oh, we were both laughing. It is... I've seen like bits and pieces of it uh, when I didn't... The cast is ridiculous. Listen to this. Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, Annette Benning. Jack Black, who is the it's the youngest and skinniest Jack Black that I remember seeing in a movie. And not to be offensive to Jack Black, <clears throat> but he was looking pretty fit. Um, it has Luke, Lucas Haas. I think it's Lucas Haas. Um, yeah. Michael J. Him. Fox. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Pierce Brosnan. I mean, and uh, Pam Greer. Um, Jim Brown. I mean, uh, Tom Jones plays himself. Like, the movie 
is full of people. And Jack Nicholson plays two characters. I don't think that's a spoiler because they're not connected in any way. He's just two characters. Oh, Danny DeVito's in it. Like what? Yeah, it is such a star-studded cast. And then it's like it's an old school B movie of like aliens come and like how it builds up. It is fun. The aliens are mean. Like they like they start like having fun harassing us. Um, it is it is so much fun. I had a blast. But um, I am that's what I've watched so far. But I am planning before we record to watch Big Fish and Ed Wood. In fact, I have both DVDs sitting right next to me right now. Um, Make sure you got some tissues. Well, I, I haven't seen Ed Wood in so long. I've not seen it at all, which is why I'm Probably. trying to watch it now. Jeez, I'd say like 15 years. Yeah, I, wow, that sounds right though. It's like 90. It's it's before Mars Attacks. It was like 93 or 94, I think. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and then the fact that Bill Murray's in it and I haven't seen it has made me even more excited because you know I love Bill Murray, um, and I and I'm oh I didn't realize Sarah Jessica Parker was in it though and Patricia Arquette. <laughs> Um, but I am, uh, you know, currently on a Johnny Depp positive side because I just watched Benny and June. So I'm looking forward to seeing it for that reason. He should have, I feel like you should have just never done the Pirates movies and it would have been fine. Maybe. I, I do like the Pirates movies, but it did alter his career trajectory a little bit where he is almost always Captain Jack Sparrow now. But, um, but that's what I've been watching. Uh, no TV or anything this week. Just that. I, I might have watched an episode of Psych earlier in the week. I don't really remember. It's been a long week. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I am still working my way through Psych slowly. I'm not in any rush to finish it. But I do love I love Psych very, very much. There's been some really funny episodes. That gets us to our movie of the week. You ready, Corey? Yes. So, listener, in case you're worried... We start with spoiler-free reviews, and we will give you a nice big warning before we get into spoilers. But let's get through the stats first. The movie we are reviewing this week in honor of our theme of Best Actor Goes to Jeff Bridges. We're watching Bad Times at the El Royale from 2018. That has a little bit of a long runtime, 2 hours and 21 minutes. It has a 60 Metacritic, 7.1 IMDb user score, directed and written by Drew Goddard. Um, stars Jeff Bridges, Cynthia, uh, Cynthia Erivo, who you might also have saw in Widows from last year, uh, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Chris Hemsworth, Kaylee Spaney, Lewis Pullman, Nick Offerman is a little bit of an overstatement to say he stars him, unfortunately, because he's great, but he's not in it much. Um, and that's, for the most part, that's your your cast, although I do want to mention Jim O'Hare, uh, because he's Jerry in Parks and Rec, and he shows up at the end of the movie, I don't know if you yeah. caught him or not. Yes. But I was like, ah, Jerry, or Gary, or Terry, or, you know, whichever version of the name we want to say. Um, And the premise, uh, this is the IMDb premise, uh, circa 1969, several strangers, most with a secret to bury, meet by chance at Lake Tahoe's El Royale, a rundown hotel with a dark past. Over the course of one night, everyone will show their true colors before everything goes to hell. And it should be noted, the the interesting, the selling point of the El Royale is it is on the state line between Nevada and California, and it literally runs straight through the the uh, the hotel lobby, if you will. And so you can, there's actually a side of the hotel that is California, a side that is Nevada, and people can choose to stay in either state. Um, it's a little more expensive to stay in California, I believe, and uh, they but they lost their liquor license. Well, no, not their, their gambling license in Nevada, which has since really killed the hotel's popularity. Um, and this movie is uh, is that. So 
I'd seen this before. Um, Corey, do you want to start, or do you want me to start? Uh, I can start. Go I, um, I completely had the wrong idea about this movie. I don't know why I thought that it was about some big flashy casino. Mm. El Royale just sounds like a casino yeah. to me. Um, well, it was. And I, I mean, to be fair, at some point but, it was a casino. But not like a hotel. I wasn't expecting this type of setting at all. Mm. I was expecting. I don't know. I've never seen, like, I can't even remember the names of the movies because I just haven't even been interested in them. But I don't know. I was expecting, like, a heist. And I mean, I guess. Like Ocean's Eleven? Yeah. I was expecting something like that. And this movie completely surprised me. I'm fine that I skipped out on it before. I feel like it would have been a good one to see in the theaters. But to be able to watch it for this month, I'm okay with that. Um,. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I when I saw it in the theater, I I liked it, but something was it didn't click for me. There was something felt like it was just missing something. But I still gave it like not quite golden at the time. Um, so like I I obviously had positive feelings, but it did feel like just something wasn't there. Um, and then I spoke with uh, Big Tuna about it, and we started talking a little bit more about what the movie could be saying outside of the literal and i'm not going to talk about that now because i feel like it could fall into spoilers but i will talk about it extensively in spoilers um but uh i i think i i might love this movie now um second viewing especially there's some really great nuanced performances um i love bridges in this film um i love john ham so much in this movie but I think uh, the the standout to me still, and it was the first time, was Lewis Pullman. Um, I I feel like he has a look that reminds me of Tom Holland, but not quite. Like it's almost like and I don't mean this in an insulting way, Lewis Pullman, but like discount Tom Holland. He reminds me. I don't even know why, but of Ben Foster. Oh, interesting. I don't see that, um, but that's interesting. <laughs> Um, but I, I love his character in this movie and I love the story that Drew Goddard wrote for the character in this movie, which again, I won't talk about in any more detail than that. Um, Cynthia Erivo is going to be a powerhouse. Now it should be noted. She is not, she's new to movies, but she is a superstar of Broadway, I believe. And I think even recording artists, I think she should be, um, she has, uh, there is, I can't think of what the, uh, the thing is when you win an Oscar, an Emmy, a Tony, and there's one other award. Like, in it's it's called something. I think Lin Manuel Lin Manuel Miranda was the everyone was kind of thinking he was going to win one, and then I don't think he was nominated for the Oscar. He did not win an Oscar yet. Um, but whatever it is, she's like really close to being there. I think all she needs is the Oscar or something. Like she's like right there, and she was great in Widows, and she was also amazing in this. And like you said, her voice is a powerhouse. Um, there are some really awesome scenes that utilize her singing in really cool ways but um this movie is uh oh and i gotta mention chris hemsworth because he's not in it a lot but when he shows up he oh. kind of steals the moments um he is crazy good in this um and also i mean i don't know it's everyone's crazy. really good in it yeah just i i i think this movie is also art like stylistically it's so interesting and um it, again a lot of it i don't want to talk about until we get to spoilers but um, I I think I'm I bought this movie um, even though I didn't love it, but I'm really glad I did because I think I might love it now, and I I, I definitely want to revisit this because I think there's a lot 
to break apart. And I think maybe the day I watched it, I wasn't in the mood for something deeper or more like you said you weren't expecting this movie. I think I went in um, and just took it at its surface. Like I wasn't looking past what was going on or wasn't looking for anything deeper, not realizing that there's uh, some pretty obvious metaphors that I didn't quite apply to this film. But um, in hindsight, I have, and I think it has uh, made the enjoyment of it all the more um, impressive. So uh, with that, Corey, unless there's anything else, uh, I think you know what to do. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about bad times at the El Royale in great detail. So, spoilers, you've been warned. And again, uh, this is not currently free to stream on any service, to my knowledge, but you can rent it or buy it on almost any digital platform or DVD, Blu-ray, etc. It's been out for a few months now. Um, okay. Just buy it. Before I say anything, I'm curious, Corey, do you got anything specific you want to mention in spoilers? Uh, I might have a lot. Okay. But, um, so that opening scene... A, it took me a minute, and it's only a few minutes, to figure out that that was Nick Offerman. Yeah. Dear listeners, I love Nick Offerman. Um, I just love him so much. So I was hoping he was going to be in the movie more, but yeah. that, like, that scene and how you're just, like, looking at the room from that point of view the whole time, it just made me really uncomfortable, and I think it did a really good job, like, putting me on edge, and I knew something bad was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then something bad happened. Um, So I thought that was an interesting way to open the movie. We, I, we get a, and even there's another scene where she's singing and we can talk about that and she's being watched Mm -hmm. and it still kind of has that point of view, but it's not just continually on her. It's her looking to the side and stuff. So it's not. Yeah. In that scenario, I think especially the first time you see the movie, you don't know about the hotel's uh, two-way mirrors yet. And so that scene feels so unique that we have a stationary camera for so long and the utilization of jump cuts, especially in that wide shot, because like you said, you shouldn't know it's Nick Offerman. We don't really get a good shot of his face for a few minutes in, and even then he's still far away. But I, I wonder if we're supposed to be a camera filming it or if we are someone standing behind the mirror watching it because it does not move it does not break away um and we witness all of it and it's it's again utilizing jump cuts to speed through the process but it's so so well done um and some of the shots because we see him walk out the door and like walk to the car and it's like pouring down rain he just stands there and like takes the rain in for a minute I love that it's only like a few seconds but I love that that shot it just look the depth that you get and the look of it and how much it says about the character that he's just standing in the rain we know he's waiting for something but we don't know who or what um which later is revealed that he is jeff bridges brother uh they had robbed an armored car uh jeff bridges opted to take their getaway car to mislead the police and was arrested and was in jail for 10 years which is the movie starts and then we're told 10 years later and we're back at the hotel now we don't know yet what we just witnessed was jeff bridge's brother and that the money or the bag at least that we see because we don't see any money we see a bag that was hidden is a bag full of money that was was why jeff bridges is back 10 years later so i guess that i didn't realize that either that it was a two-way mirror duh watching him but even if somebody was watching him 
or filming him from what we find out later in the movie i'm surprised that the movie the money was still there oh true if someone was filming him or not yeah that's a good question for just character um and we don't do i don't think we find out who kills him do we um i believe and they don't ever say but i believe it was the the other guy um who caused the accident of the armor truck you know because there was a third guy i'm pretty sure it's him that why well greed he shows up to meet him and then kills him to like take the money but then can't find the money and and he later says jeff bridges character i'm gonna probably just call him father daniel flynn yeah um because i can't remember his name do they ever reveal that uh i think it's yes they do but i don't remember oh it's doc o'kelly it's right here Ah, yep um so and he later says that he's pretty sure that they were set up so that makes sense Mm -hmm. and they had a plan they had a backup plan in case because there was a new guy um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a real simple. That I mean, that story arc isn't significant as much as the overall, like how everyone ends up here. I love though that none of the stories are straightforward. We don't know. Well, there's one story that's straightforward, and it's Darlene's. But that's, everyone else. Darlene and Cynthia Arriva, right? Yeah. Yeah, the singer. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is. I, I, I don't feel like it's 100% straightforward, and I will get to why um, okay. once I reveal the the big allegory that I think this movie is. But before I do that, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if you picked up on it, because I can't take credit for it, because uh, Big Tuna pointed it out to me, and I was like, huh, I didn't think about that. And then I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, I guess not. Okay, so the hotel represents um, almost like a purgatory. And, uh, I have theorized, and this is just my, this is a theory, this is not, I have not read this from Drew Goddard, but this is talking with Big Tuna, and then watching it this time with this in mind made me kind of cement my point of view. Okay, so let's go through the, most of the characters. Jeff Bridges is a a career criminal, gets out of jail, comes back to the hotel disguised as a priest because he says that nobody seems to take a second look at a priest, uh, which is maybe true in 69, maybe not so true now, but, um... But so we know he is a bad guy, at least in the sense of like society, right? That he breaks the law, thus he is a bad guy, right? Not that he's an evil man or anything, but he's he's a bad person in the eyes of the law. Cynthia Revo is a challenging one because I don't for sure know the scene where we see her recording and that schmuck producer. I oh. I kind of feel like he's hitting on her. I feel like he's pretty much telling her that if she wants to lead her own girl group or be solo or be famous, he, she needs to sleep with him. Yes, exactly what I think, too. But the fact that she's coming to Nevada to audition for a singing performance says she chose not to do that. It, that was exactly what he told her was going to happen if she didn't. Yes. So, but my question is, and well, I'll get to it. I'll come back to her because I think she must have done something to him. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, then we meet Dakota Johnson's character, whose name is Emily Summerspring, um, and we know that she has uh, kidnapped her sister from Chris Hemsworth's character, Billy Lee, uh, who is what I would say is a representation of maybe like a Charles Manson figure, like a cult leader, um, the way he's talking oh, about society. Um, and so she has kidnapped him, but she's also not a good person. Uh, their backstory implies that their father used to rape them. 
and or at least their stepfather. I'm not that sure think, which is which. But um, like, I feel like when her story is revealed that she took the brunt of that, so her sister didn't have to. At least that time. But what we know about the sister also, I I one of them hurt the father for sure, because she has her father's boots when she meets Billy Lee. Um, Rose does, and. The only reason that makes me pull back is that we are told the violence didn't come until Billy Lee showed up. Because we we learn that Rose is a murderer now. Um, and she is completely 100% taken, smitten by Billy Lee. And she is under 18, for sure. Okay, so I was thinking maybe she's 18. Sometimes people look very young. But she, like her character... And him, because he's got to be in his mid to late 20s. At least. But she is so young, and it just made me want to throw up. Which I think we're supposed to want to throw up. I don't think we're supposed to be rooting for any of that. Um, No. um, But, okay, so. um, And she she had a big year, by the way. Kaylee Spaney, she is in Bad Times Royale. She's in Pacific Rim Uprising. She's in Vice and on the basis of sex, all from 2018. Um, so she had a big coming out of, uh, acting year. Um, and she's a small part in Vice, a big part in Pacific Rim, actually. She's the kind of co-star to John Boyega. She becomes, like, his partner. And then on the basis of sex, uh, she's, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter, Jane, and has some really great scenes in that movie. So, big, big year for her. Um, Kaylee Spaney, I think is how you say her name again. I probably butchered it once or twice. But, okay, so, John Hamm is the most interesting character because we find out the person we meet who is hilarious and talks so much um with this southern drawl and so sexist yeah and racist um yes because he i believe he refers to cynthia arrivo as a negro which is not i'm not saying it i'm quoting him um just to be clear here and uh he also um, is very sexist because he makes all sorts of uh it's not just sexist it's definitely also racist he assumes she works in the um what's the term hospitality hospitality business that she is like a maid because she is a black woman um so yeah definitely not if you know any ladies that need any vacuums <laughs> yeah um because he's a vacuum salesman and he is here on the company dollar and he's excited because he is the first one there and he's going to get the uh the what's it called the honeymoon, honeymoon suite. suite but what we find out is the reason he wants the honeymoon suite is he's there to remove surveillance because he is uh, apparently working for the FBI, as he calls uh, J. Edgar Hoover. So he is there to remove surveillance. Now, when he does that, he finds not just the FBI surveillance, but someone else's surveillance. That's why there's two of everything and why he looks so puzzled. Um, so this is what I want to point out. All of those people that I've listed are sinners. And they all stay in Nevada. John Hamm's character, who we initially think is horrible, we find out that that's not really who he is. That's a persona. He is a FBI agent who's there to fix what the FBI did. Now, we don't know who they were surveilling, but it's a honeymoon suite. And we are hinted at some some important figure who was assassinated is videotaped having sex at that hotel. So that could be JFK. Bobby Kennedy. It was or, one of the Kennedys. It could be JFK. Because Bobby mm-hmm. or Martin Luther King. Um, if you remember, we watched Selma a few months ago, and we found out that one of the things with Martin Luther King was that he was apparently known to be a bit of an adulterer. So well, 
I kept thinking, though, that it's Robert Kennedy. And I just had to look, and I don't know why I was necessarily thinking that, mm -hmm. but um, I think he was assassinated in California. I could be wrong. I think he was on, he was like giving one of his speeches or something when he was trying to run, but he was, he was assassinated in 1968. Well, and they don't tell us how old that video is that the yeah. kid has, just that it would have an impact. So it's definitely... A political figure who was assassinated so it could have been any one of those three because think though any one of those three having an official scandal because there were rumors but having it on a uh, film not video because video didn't exist yet but having it on film would have been damning to any one of those figures even after their death um i feel like though martin luther king would have been the most detrimental because his figure continued civil rights movement um where like jfk and bobby while they had an impact I don't know that it was as significant to the change of culture after their death as Martin Luther King Jr.'s was. But the movie never says. Um, but we're left to speculate, which is what we're doing right now. But here's what I'm saying. Why are all of them in Nevada and John Hamm's character is not? He's in California. Because the two sides represent heaven and hell. The sinners are in hell. And John Hamm, who is not a sinner, he's a... You know, not necessarily a good guy, but he is on the side of good, is on the other side. And that is proven when he tries to save the kidnap victim, what he doesn't realize is also a murderer, but he tries to save Rose and is, of course, punished for doing so, for leaving heaven and coming to hell. He was told not to do that. He was told not to do that. And, um, and yes, and look, there's a sin. He ignored his boss, and he's punished for it. Then the devil shows up right before billy lee shows up rose lights all these fire pits in the hotel right and then the lighting and the sauntering that billy lee enters so in so dark is so dim, just dim, evil it's evil because it's this pure joy as he's like you know just yeah here we come and he um you know he does the whole like gambit of red and black you know choose one um he's he is evil and uh, there's a chance for redemption. And I didn't even talk about Lewis Pullman's character um, because he lives in the hotel. If you notice, where is his office located, which is also his bedroom? Nevada. Um, and he is a uh, apparently addicted to heroin. Um, one of my favorite moments in the film is when he tells uh, Cynthia Erivo, Dar Darlene's character, uh, Darlene, how many people he's killed. And like the way she asks, he's I... Like, I can't kill any more people. And she's like, how many people have you killed? 123. And you're just like, what's happening? I, I know. And it's like, well, I kind of with his character too, I feel like it's built up like he's such a bad person mm -hmm. and then he's redeemed. Mm -hmm. And I was really glad about that because I was really worried when we find out what he does, what his real job at the hotel is and you know, we find out that, and we see him as a kid shooting a gun, and well, like, and he's oh my God. very much an important representation and commentary on the Vietnam War. His single person represents all the boys who were traumatized, P PTSD that was undiagnosed, who were sent to a war that they we knew we were going to lose, um, and he was not just that, but he was turned into a killer. Um, and he's so young. He's so young. Yeah, and. You know, all he wants is to repent, and Father Daniel um, O'Flynn, right? Yeah. Um, oh, offers, just Flynn. Just Flynn. 
offers the uh, opportunity to do that to uh, at least in his eyes and of course we know the dramatic irony that Jeff Bridges is not a priest um, well he knows too later later he does but not initially oh yeah yeah the, Sorry. because he wants to repent early and Jeff Bridges keeps blowing him off because um, you know yes I haven't been to confession but I really I really need to confess and then there is some confession and then he when he gets shot after John Hamm gets blown away which is so sad because I love John Hamm so much um, but like when Lewis is struggling, like it's, oh, and when Rose is like saying, oh, like, he's like, you know what? You can let me go. I don't even know your names. And Rose is just like, I'm going to ruin that for you. Here's I'm Rose. She's Emily. It's like, no. And he like, he's so good in this movie. He is for the most part, I would say he's our emotional crux. Like he's the character that I'm the most empathetic for. Um, because unlike a lot of the other people, you clearly see remorse in him you know like he's clearly regretful for what he's done and who he is um and And i think it makes everything even more tragic that we find he's found in his room with the needle in his arm and he's out and then he takes the father into his room and there's the bottle sitting on the you know yeah on his like table and i'm like just thinking he's a grimy dirt bag and he he's bored there all by yeah. himself i don't know i mean and he is but it's also like yeah. to, probably just to be able to sleep because he's probably yeah. having nightmares every night of the war um and so that's his probably the only way he can get solace is to dope up and pass out otherwise he just can't um not to mention all the things he's done at the hotel filming people um and he's kept that film of whoever it is because the person was nice to him like think of that like just because someone was kind to him he opted to disobey his boss and hide this Did valuable footage them. yeah because they were nice to him which i think again shows his character his real character he's not this deplorable person ever nice to him <sighs> so sad right um there are so many cool things uh i could talk about this movie for a while one though when lewis does die which is after he's a badass and we get to see him like basically save everybody but again his kindness wrecks him because he doesn't see rose as a threat and rose is a threat she's the biggest threat aside from billy lee um and she's a bigger threat once billy lee is killed because she loves him so much um but he when he thinks she's brainwashed she's totally well yes i'm sorry i totally agree with you but in her eyes she loves him so much you know what i'm saying like as far as she's concerned she loves him i I feel like I haven't seen Chris Hemsworth in a lot of Ooh. different things. And I I don't know if I would, like, picture him playing a role like this. But, but he was so good. Right? He he is... He I, is unnerving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when they, like, show that scene where um, Emily comes to their camp compound. or whatever. Yeah, compound. That's the word. That's <laughs> yeah. the word. Um, and she's, like, watching this interaction, and he's, like, preaching and talking about society, and then he pits um, Rose against this other girl, and the whole big price is to sleep with him in the big house. Yeah. I... Oh. And, okay, so Hemsworth, who I think I first really was aware of as Thor. Like, I don't really think I saw... I, I mean, he's Kirk, Captain Kirk's father in Star Trek, the J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's only in it for a little bit. And uh, I, I think he was already Thor then, too. I can't remember which came out first. But 
the first time I realized that he was more than just Thor, more than just muscles and, and being a hunk, was um, in Ghostbusters because he's the secretary with uh, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy hire, and he is so funny in that movie. He is my favorite comedic part of that film. Um, and then this was the most uh, like he's still funny. Like some of the things he does in this movie crack me up. But in, like, a uncomfortable way, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so... Like, is he really serious? Yeah, and then he's scary. He gets real scary once he gets to the hotel. Um, but, I and he's still calm, but then he you see him, like, start to crack a little, because Emily is so, you know, and no one's playing the game he wants to play at first, and so he's getting upset. But, um, I want, there's so many things I want to talk about, but uh, before we get too far away from that hell analogy... When Lewis gets shot by Ro- oh well sorry stabbed by Rose and he collapses he falls directly on the line. Oh dang! And he is at that moment he hasn't been forgiven for his sins, nor ch- he's also attempted to redeem himself. So he's straddling the line between good and evil, heaven and hell, and that's when Father uh, Flynn or whatever his name is. Um, kind of plays the role and even though he knows he's not he accepts this as his only option is to be forgiven and it's such a freaking sweet moment and it it chokes me up a little bit because it's it's this poor kid who's done so much wrong and yet is so good of heart he's just trying to not burn for eternity because that's what he believes it feel it's all i think that it makes it even worse that he feels this way because most of the soldiers in Vietnam weren't they drafted? Many were, yeah. I do believe a like, lot were drafted. Not everyone had a choice. Yeah. So it's, I mean, he was a really good shot, so maybe he chose. But yeah, I, I know, and that he like Father Flynn offers him that solace right mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Now the there's a lot of other things I I mean I could talk about this movie for a while because it's it's there's a lot to unpack in this film, but I do want uh, our focus is Jeff Bridges that's why we watch this movie because he's in it, and I really like his character I love his performance um some of I I love each scene he does with Darlene because they have a really interesting connection, um and yes. I would, I think you could argue they're the main characters by the end of the film because they, they meet they're like when we, they are the first two we meet at the hotel. They walk into the hotel together. Um, they have some fun little banter. Um, later, when they have the the pie together, is really sweet. But then she, man, when she hits him in the head with that bottle, I never saw that coming. And I love no. when. Go ahead. I was gonna say that, like, I think that everyone kind of writes her off as like meek, and mm-hmm. maybe it's because she's a black woman. Um, but she like holds it down through the whole movie, like every situation that she's put into. Yeah, and I love that. She's like, such a badass. She is, and when we see it from her perspective, because when he gets hit, we're from his perspective, and then we kind of rewind and come back to her perspective, and we see her slip out of her shoes while his back is turned, and he's about to drug her, and she like runs up, grabs a wine bottle, and just smashes it on his head, and it's like so not who you expect. And then um, when we he he, I love that he like accepts what happened, and like look look, I just want to talk, and he, he like tells her the truth. He's like, look. I wasn't drugging you to, like, sleep with you or anything. I just needed you to be asleep so I could get into your room because I have money there. And how he offers to split it. Like, you see good in him, despite, of course, now there's also some bad, but then that's redeemed because he has the video. He has the film strip in hand, 
and at the end they throw it in the fire. But one of the my favorite moments of his is when Billy Lee wants to know his real name. And he can't remember. And he can't remember. It is so and, freaking heartbreaking. Like, I love that he's, like, playing this part for such a long time in the movie, but that still keeps coming up. So it's, like, real life and a little bit of honesty that he's having to kind of trickle into the conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he tries to do all that with Darlene, but he's already told her that his mind isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about it more in the car that he doesn't have long. And so I thought that was kind of... I, I love that, right? Like that that whole arc. And then Darlene, the the thing I want to bring back up is she's the only one who... I'm not 100% sure what her sin is. Um, if it's pride, you know, because she wouldn't sleep with that guy, which I would hate for that to be her sin. But she is one of only two who survive. Her and Bridges are the only two who make it out of the hotel. Everyone and she else was... is killed. On the Nevada side, too? She is on the Nevada side. She's right next to uh, Jeff Bridges' room, remember? That's right. The big yep. part of the conflict is because Four and five. he guesses wrong. He flips the coin, which I love that, too, that he flips the coin. Because so much of this is built on chance, right? He flips the coin, ends up in four, which is why he has to try to knock her out because he's in the wrong room. Billy Lee with the roulette table. Yes. Chance, right? There's so much of chance. I mean, this which movie is so freaking... Makes me think of that other movie that we watch not too long ago with Javier Bardem. Ah, No Country for Old Men. Yes. And and Jeff Bridges. Yes. No, wrong. He's not in that one. He's no. in True Grit. I'm sorry. Oh, I can't. Ron Cohen film. Yeah, oh, darn it. Um, but yeah, with like the coin flipping. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The but idea of I... chance. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, um, but then so Darlene's character I also really like. Um, again, I don't know for sure what her sin is. I think we have room to speculate. Maybe she, you know, maybe she killed the producer because he tried to sleep with her. Maybe she stole from him and that's the money she has left. Or, you know, maybe it is uh, arrogance or pride or something. Or, well, who like knows? that whole conversation that he has with her, that he gets paid $1,500. Was mm-hmm. it $1,500? Is yeah. it a day or an hour or something? An hour. It's like $400, I think, an hour. So it's like for the three hour session, it's $1,200 or whatever. And then and he's like, you make $12 a session, so... No matter how long we're here. Yeah. So the longer we're there, the less money she makes per hour. That's sickening that that was a thing. And, and he... I know session musicians still don't get paid great, but they're not getting paid like that anymore. But, <laughs> um, yeah, she she gives such a powerful performance. Um, I'm so intrigued by her. But... That whole thing where she does believe him and lets him into her room and you were already saying yep. how she like uses her singing yep and or clapping to yes. the music so so, so he that can he can pry like, the hammer. floorboard yeah yes is so nuts and how like she knew that somebody was going to be watching her she was uh, being cautious he he knew for a fact and told her that they're able to watch us so they were being smart, just in case, that, because they didn't know what else was going on, where everybody else was. And that she sang that whole time, because obviously you don't know when they're going to stop listening. And that whole, like, speaker thing mm-hmm. was creepy. Uh, I mean... Well, the use of sound that. in this movie is pretty powerful, because even the opening scene, the song that Nick Offerman puts on while he's, you know, burying everything, and then 
the first time we see through the glass we hear her singing and that's when john ham finds her um and we get to like find out what's going on and just how ham reacts to all of it he's so shocked um yeah so so powerful and that at the so that point to where she takes off her wig uh-huh like i don't that like got me too because up until that point she'd been wearing her wig the whole time yeah and then after that she doesn't wear it anymore yeah and that's what i think maybe like maybe that part of her sin too like that she's not being true to herself um and that removal of the wig is like her this is who i am like kind of thing i'm not i'm not sure i'm that she's the hardest character for me to nail down as far as that goes but um i'd love to hear other people's thoughts or if you think about this and come up with something um i i really think this film is pretty it's pretty spectacular Uh, i love the look of the hotel i love the costuming um like her her outfit is gorgeous i love uh billy lee just looking you know like a beach bum and like just having this man the way he moves it's just this it's almost snake-like like he's like slithering while he's walking you know what i mean like his body is like especially when he's dancing and eating the pie you, you know when uh they put on um i can't remember the song but like uh Damn. he he it's purple a deep pur- purple yeah and uh bridges is like who is this this is not for me i love that. i love that line and this i love that she knew and mm-hmm. like the the point where the music goes out because all the power goes out yeah and he, Billy Lee's like, you can sing. You said you sing. And then Jeff Bridges' character is like, don't sing. He doesn't doesn't deserve to hear you sing. Uh, such a sweet sentiment, right? Like, because yeah. all she wants to do is sing. And for him to have so much admiration for her is so... Uh, I love Bridges' character because I think it would have been easy to just make him, like, a bad guy. And he's not. He's way more complex than that. Like, there's a sadness because he knows he lost his brother. There's a sadness because he's losing his memory um, and that his life is coming to an end. And then there's this... But, like, he sees these positives, you know, him with her. Like, I think everything he says to her is genuine. Like, yes, he does need to get in her room, but I think everything he says to her is is for real. Like, yeah. Um, and I think it's proven by the end of the I, film. At the end, yeah. Yeah. Um, Man. Where he's sitting there waiting for her to sing and they've split the money and yet they're together you know um but still in nevada so if my theory is true does nevada's hell metaphor end at the hotel or is all of nevada hell which think keep in mind it's this it's sin city right it's the city of sin it's as in vegas at least but that's part of nevada so i don't i'm curious um are they did they escape hell or are they just still alive in hell you know um which is an interesting thought because they still have the stolen money right like that money's not clean they do get rid of the film but they don't get rid of the money <laughs> that money well he's stolen. already paid for that money true he has done his time for it but but his you know his brother was killed for it so it's it's still like which you could also argue is a payment i guess he, he lost his brother for that money mm-hmm. but all right unless unless there's anything else you want to mention um this is uh I, I really do think this is an excellent film. Um, what Do you have your rating ready? I want to watch it again. I would yeah. still say must-see film. Yeah, I, um, I again, gave it not quite gold in my first time around, but I think now I'm ready to say it's must-see. Like, I, I really do think this is a spectacular film. Um, I don't know what didn't click with me, but this is it's that proof that I've talked about in the past 
sometimes um, it's the mindset you're in when you watch a movie that can alter your opinion of it. And um, <laughs> this time around, I was much more on board with it than I think the first time. So let's also, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back in and talk about it for a minute. So sometimes Bill will watch the movies with me or mm -hmm. sometimes he'll like come in and watch like half of it with me. And this movie is two hours and 21 minutes. Yes. And Bill comes rolling in when there's like 52 minutes left. Oh, man. And he just thinks that everything is so wild. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I watched an hour of it with you. Like he'd really, you know. <laughs> I don't know, accomplish something. And I was like, but it's like two and a half hours, so you missed out on a lot. Yeah. But I just, I love that nothing in this movie was what it seemed. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of reveals and little twists. And, um... and I feel like so many movies that try to do that, where it's like so much, it just feels like it's trying too hard. Yeah, and he does a lot of like random stuff because we, like I said, we do the flashback sequence where we see it play through from Bridget's side, but then we jump back and we see it through her side. <laughs> and it's, I mean, we did that with John Hamm too, where when we see it from his perspective, and then he's killed, and then we see uh, Cynthia Revo's character Darlene watch him be killed through the door, which I love. Where she's, like, I love that whole sequence. I'm surprised that they didn't come and get her. Um she's in her eyes I had something else to say and I was wondering why we were going back to the hotel 10 years later and they even made us like wait yeah like, quite a bit of time to find out why I was like why the hell are we back here 10 years later yeah and and we get no no answer to who shot him officially although again I do think it's implied that it's the third I think guy that you're right um it doesn't it never definitively says that though although he seemed to know who he was Right, because he's like, oh, hey, and he yeah, turns his back to him and then sh shot in the back. Um, yeah. But then again, like, the guy shot him but didn't get the money or, like, go – there's no – we don't get well, any I, information what happened to him. I feel like that was their backup plan. Yes. That they were hiding the money in case that guy was dirty. Yeah. Like, I mean, the whole situation was dirty, but, you know. But the fact that, like, he doesn't come into play again. Like, he killed his brother – and oh, yeah. doesn't get the money, but he doesn't show up at the hotel with like tracking him down, which I think is is good though. I think that would have been too much. Like if he had shown up to, like I've been waiting for you to get out of prison, and I'm following you here because I want the money. Yeah, could have been a plot, and it's not. This hotel doesn't seem like it gets many visitors. Like Lewis, uh, what's his name, doesn't even clean most of the rooms and won't let yeah. people go into them because they're not clean. And all these people show up on the same day. Yeah, I think I th uh, there's a hint that this hotel is used for prostitution from time to time, and I think that might be the scenario, like, that they he had rented the oh. room to some prostitutes the night before, uh, and he hadn't cleaned them since then. Um, I have a quick question, too. Yes. Because when she comes up, she has the bedrolls, and they make a comment about that, mm -hmm. that she might be prostituting. Was she using... The only thing that I can think of is that she was using those against the walls, so she yeah, could sing? Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. That's, was it like, was soundproofing. Um, it's like the okay. egg... It's like the egg cartons are not actually bedrolls. It's like, you know, like you put the egg crates on top of your mattress. Um, mm -hmm. Those can be used for soundproofing, and that's what she was doing. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, it's, it's more like sound dampening. It doesn't, like, stop sound from going through, but it... It, one, it actually helps with acoustics, too, so it takes the echo out of the room, because instead of it hitting like the drywall and the sound bouncing off, it's absorbed. Oh, um, okay. And so that helps to dampen the sound so it doesn't go through the wall, but it also stops it from bouncing back in the room, making it hard to hear yourself or uh, echo. Like, my, my TV studio in my classroom, um, 
three quarters of the room is covered in, in a material like that of a higher grade than that so it absorbs more but it's because the room is so massive if there was an echo you wouldn't be able to record any audio in the room because there would be so much of an echo uh so interesting it absorbs the sound yeah um so that is what that's for but no one knows she's a singer they're just assuming that she's something else um until she says she's a singer but you know what i mean like that's john ham's character definitely has i think that's a cover though i do think like everything he says about her is meant to make people oh yeah oh definitely him. yeah yeah i think that they're not supposed to think twice about him and he's just like settling into that you know yep. as much as he can he wants to get everyone where they don't want to talk to him they don't want to be near him but at the same time um maybe like establish this really memorable persona you know that he's this this schmucky vacuum cleaner guy <laughs> but um yeah so both of us give this movie a must see and i think that is the right call uh, i really do think this is a film a lot of people slept on and i don't know that it'll click for everybody because it is kind of long um but it is it's just so well crafted and so compelling um that it's hard to not love and again you get some terrific performances from people um so definitely I, one to check out even like dakota johnson and i'm sorry she's always going to be that 50 shades girl to me me too but she's a better actress i think uh this movie gives you a hint of the actress that she's uh she can be um she's in suspiria from this year or well last year oh. um she's the lead in that uh she's good in that um but it's also like it's not the best performance either but I, I don't criticize her performance i think it's just kind of the roles kind of there's some boring elements to her character but I, th I don't think that's her performance um i have not seen terrence i think it's maybe it's not terrence malick there's a movie called bigger splash with uh tilda swinton and ray fines and somebody else in dakota johnson i can't think of who the uh the, the other guy is but um she's supposed to be really good in that but i've not seen it but i've heard good things about that movie um oh a bigger splash yeah who's the director oh i wanted to see that she's like the um rock star luca guadagnino okay. yes and he directed something else that i saw will you give me a second um, he did uh, call me by your call name call me by your name yeah. oh god and then oh call me by your name's fantastic and then he did no. uh suspiria duh he's yeah. the, he's the new director and i of suspiria. love i don't know I, I don't know that one but call me by your name is fantastic or you're crazy but no. um okay so let's look ahead uh we have we are three out of five jeff bridges movies out for the month this next I'm not one mad about it no i'm i'm falling more and more in love with him as an actor i just think he is always charming always great and man this the older bridges i actually like more so far um like crazy heart was fantastic i love him in this movie um you know but i'm looking forward to seeing this movie because this is one of his youngest movies uh we're gonna be watching the last picture show from 1971 and it's uh in 19 it's set in 1951 a group of high schoolers come of age in a bleak isolated atrophied west texas town that is slowly dying both culturally and economically um it has a 93 on metascore and is on one of the last afi top 100 list i believe it is oh. the 2007 afi top 100 list that it was on um it stars timothy bottoms jeff bridges sybil shepherd Ben Johnson, Cloris Leachman, Ellen Burstyn, who I love when she shows up in movies, um, and that's 
uh, Eileen Brennan. Um, it's directed by Peter Bog Bogdanovich, who's a director I'm aware of, but I don't believe I've seen anything, so I'm glad to finally watch one of his films. Um, he's a name that keeps coming up that I'm like, I really need to watch some of his stuff. So this is a film I am very, very excited to check out um, and to kind of explore uh, younger Jeff Bridges because while I didn't love Tron, neither of us love Tron, I still like Jeff Bridges in Tron. Um, I still find him to be very, very charming. And of course, we both love um, the we always Starman. In this movie. Starman. Yes. I always want to say Last Starfighter, which is not that movie. Starman, um, which we both loved, and that's young Jeff Bridges too. So... Um, that... So pretty much we just think he's a fine human. And you know he's been with his wife since 1977. I did not, and that just makes me love him more. And she was a waitress he met while he was filming a movie, and he wanted to date her, and I think she was a little apprehensive. And I just I was, I was just reading about him, and I just love that story. That is yeah. so great. And, uh, yeah, and Older Bridges has been great. I mean, we're only watching five of his movies, but we've seen many. Like, we've seen The Big Lebowski. Um, I love him in... Uh, well, True Grit, which we're going to be watching in two weeks, which I can't wait for you to see because I, I really we, – we were both Coen's fans, but you have some catching up to do. I do. Um, But, yeah, Big Lebowski, and then there's – man, why – oh, Hell or High Water. We both loved Bridges yes. in that movie. So um, I, I'm that excited to around. finish out this month. And then next month I'm looking forward to getting into, which we're pretty much right there. It's right around the corner. But um, – Listeners, until then, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Bad Times at El Royale or any of the Jeff Bridges movies that we're watching. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And, of course, you can also use the Anchor.fm app to call into the show, leave a voicemail, and we could even play it on our episodes if we decided to. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you like the podcast, please rate and review us, share us, tell your friends about us, help us spread the word about Burke Reviews Movie Club. Uh, you can read all of my reviews and anything Corey decides to write at BurkeReviews.com. And until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.